What's up, everybody? Welcome to Ricky's Ram Jam, presented by Barefoot Wine. I'm Ricky Hollywood. Week one is officially behind us. And although we didn't get the result we wanted in week one, we have a lot to look forward to and work towards. On today's show, we're going to touch on week one, check in on the NFC West standings, answer some fan questions, and then preview Rams Falcons with NFL Network's chief national reporter, Steve Weish, who knows the Rams and the Falcons very well. But first, Adam, what is up? How was your weekend? What was it like spending a football Sunday at home and we weren't working? Oh my God, Ricky, it was amazing. Like It's been years since I've been able to enjoy a Sunday at a sports bar with my friends, being being able to actually watch the games for once instead of actually being at an NFL stadium, which is still very cool. Amazing, of course. But every so often we just need that Oh, I am at a bar on a Sunday watching the NFL. It's perfect. I did not move. I was just like watching my fantasy lineups. I watched every single game. I had four screens going. I didn't even go to a bar. It was just this is the first Sunday in about six years that I was home on a on a football Sunday that wasn't in the pandemic where I still had to work or anything like that. So it was sort of surreal. I like ordered takeout, just footballed out. It was amazing. I didn't move. I did get a workout in late. Um in between Sunday night football um, and and the rest of the day. It wasn't a long one, obviously. Didn't have a lot of time. But it was just so nice to football. Um, so nice to football. That's that's a verb. Uh, I got a lot of you tweets. Oh, you jammed me. I got a lot of tweets and comments narrowing the fan base down to jammers and rammers. So, like, do you think we should put a Twitter poll out or, or something like that? Yeah, we got to settle on something. I mean, I'm I'm kind of more. I think I like jammers better than rammers, but I mean, I mean, we got to let the people decide. Right, right. Okay, so look out for that um, from us at some point. We should definitely put out put out a poll. All right, so let's say goodbye to week one before we look ahead to week two. So I love this quote from Coach McVeigh after the game Thursday, and it really resonated with me. And I would love for you guys to listen in. My favorite part about sports, Gary, is the opportunity to respond. Um, you know, this is just chapter one of a guaranteed 17 chapters that we have. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, coming out swinging with these guys to the best of our ability. So that was really cool. It was just definitely, you know, a a wake up call to to lose that to the Bills in that fashion for the for the opener. But um, the way that this team has responded and I believe that they're putting in this preparation and watching the team over these past few days get ready for the Falcons. Um, I, I really think that they're they're going to turn this around. So I'm looking at the Rams staff writer Stu Jackson's article about some injuries that happened during week one. So rookie Kyron Williams sustained a high ankle sprain that will re- require surgery and force him to miss six to eight weeks. And it was like the first kick return, which is so unfortunate. Um, and they put him on injured reserve. Center Brian Allen is undergoing a procedure to remove loose bodies from his knee, which I don't know what that means, but it will sideline him for two to four weeks. Um, McVeigh said Joe Nopum strained his MCL a little bit and it'll be day to day. So we're still tracking that. Um, But he is expected to return 
for the game against the Falcons. Um, and if Note Boom is unable to return, AJ Jackson will be the next man up. We've got some long snapper issues. They signed another long snapper to the the practice squad in case Matthew Orzek is, you know, not doing okay with his calf strain because he's day to day. Um, and as we saw, Adam, in the Steelers Bengals game, long snappers matter. <laughs> so hopefully he's okay. <laughs> that game was just so I'm in a death pool, and obviously, oh, no. who, did, who, who did I pick week one? I picked the Bungles, and <sighs> they couldn't close the deal no matter how many opportunities the Steelers gave them, and since it ended in a tie, I got my first strike. So I'm one oh, strike away my gosh. from already being out of the death pool. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so long snappers, um, they make more of a difference than we than we probably, the average fan, uh, would, would notice. So, okay. A lot of positive takeaways on the defensive side of the ball, and Cooper Cup is still that guy when you're watching this game. Also, I have him on my fantasy team, 31 points. Thank you. Uh, needed him to do that, but like we we're going to talk about um, a little bit with Weish in the in the in the future. We're going to go ahead to the future. I I think they really need to get Allen Robinson involved more, get the running game going. So there's a lot to work on, but on the defensive side, I thought there was a lot of promise there as well. Okay, so. NFC West standings. The Cardinals lost to the Chiefs 44-21. The 49ers lost to the Bears 19-10. And last night was a stunning Seahawks win over the Broncos. So, and, and Russell Wilson, which that whole game we could do a whole podcast on in itself because what an insane, wild game. And Gino with the Seahawks was, it, that, that was just crazy. I, I could, like I said, I could do a whole other episode, but we're not going to do that. So as of now, Seahawks are, are winning the division, but it's only week one. So no need to stress yet. Um, not not NFC West news, but Dak Prescott did hurt his hand during Sunday Night Football, and Jerry Jones says that he has to undergo surgery and miss a few weeks. Um, Dak's looking at week eight to return, um, so he'll miss our game, but then Jerry Jones said earlier today that he doesn't think he needs to go on injured reserve because he thinks he's going to come back. And so there's a lot to, to watch out for, but the Rams play the Cowboys week five. So we're going to see if they sign another quarterback or what's going on next. But as of now, we assume no Dak Prescott with the Cowboys for week five. Okay. So let's give a big smooch and kiss week one. Goodbye. I never want to see it again. We're done with it. We're turning the page onto the Falcons, and it's time to look forward. I'm going to put on the put on the blinders. It's time to look forward. Okay, so now we said um, last week we gave out our email, and I've been tweeting it. It's Ricky's Ram Jam, and we made it official, Adam. We, we really made it. It's Ricky's Ram Jam at rams.nfl.com. So we have That's the Rams right. we alias. We just tested the email, and it's working, and you can fill our inboxes with all kinds of nonsense now. Absolutely. We love it. So Ricky's Ram Jam at rams.nfl.com, and I'll try to get a few every week. Okay, so Randy D. from Tilden, Nebraska sent in, don't have a question, but you were looking for what to call your fans of your podcast. How about Ram Jamily? We love the Rams and jam out when they win. I think we could throw that into the rotation. That's a pretty good one. I like that. You know, produce something uh, up to maybe make that work or whatever. It's uh, it's uh, kind of make a mental note of that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we'll 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 
workshop it as the, as they say in the biz um javier from oxnard wrote that he's a diehard fan and has been for 44 years and he sent in this quote that i loved that loyalty that i maintained during those unfortunate um years for me made last years and future dynasty years more valuable the valley the valleys make the mountaintop experiences even that much better so hell yeah javier that's great love that you're a fan especially in oxnard which they you know can call cowboys country um we're from their training camp up there that's awesome i love to see emails like that even if there isn't a question that's great um casey g from chino hills wrote i saw you walking in sofi after the code of conduct video played and it was funny i didn't say hi but want you to know how great that video was oh thank you casey that is so funny so the code of conduct video we shot at sofi it's basically like what not to do at an nfl game and so that played on the jumbotron and i tweeted it out so go check it out if you haven't seen it or posted it on instagram because the code of conduct video i think it's the best team uh stadium code of conduct ever don't you think adam like ever ever well, I mean, not that you're biased or anything. I did enjoy <laughs> your uh, cheerleading skills and then uh, you trying to outrun security. So that was obviously a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, it was so great. So definitely go go check it out. And last but not least, you guys really brought it this week with the emails. I loved it. So keep them coming. I just want to give a shout out to Dave, who's a season tickets um, holder. So my parents were in town for opening game. So they flew out from the East Coast to, to be out here. And my favorite Mexican restaurant of all time. I go way too often, like two times, like twice, you know, a month easily, biweekly. And it's right on Sunset Boulevard. I'm not going to I'm not going to say the name, but. It is my favorite place of all time. So I'm calling to try to make reservations because there's a group of us going because my parents are in town and no one's answering the phone. They're so busy, whatever. So I decide to pull a, okay, I'm just going to DM the restaurant and see if they have any like, hey, like trying to get through any advice. And David, who works at this restaurant or is an owner or something, messaged me back at him and goes, oh my God, you're the Rams girl. I'm going to hook it up for the Ramley. And so we went and we got like flaming margaritas. I'm giving a bunch of context clues about where my favorite place is if you can't figure it out. And it was the best time. And we were talking about the game and he's a season ticket holder and saw my code of conduct video. So we were laughing about that. It was just so cool uh, to make that that connection. And I feel like I officially made it. The fact that I could get into my favorite Mexican restaurant like that and get hooked up like that. Shout out to the Ram. You guys always come through and I love it. So, yeah, that's great. I appreciate it. And once again, Ricky's Ram Jam at rams.nfl.com. You know, wine and football aren't that different. Sure, they're complex, but enjoying them should be easy. You don't need to worry about complex formations and flavor profiles or which wine pairs with what. All that matters is together. All that matters is together. (laughs) Barefoot wine and rams are easy to enjoy. So let's enjoy ourselves. Barefoot, the official wine sponsor of the NFL. All right, it's time to introduce the man, the myth, the legend, Steve Weish, chief national reporter for NFL media, wine connoisseur, and athletic Falcons reporter. I mean, he does it all. Steve, do you ever sleep? 
Uh, not really. You know, it's, it's <laughs> look, I've had, I've been operating in the red line now for about 30 years. So I took, if I take my foot off the gas, I think the sleep might be eternal. So I'm a little afraid. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, so you're ready. So, okay, Steve, Ricky's Ram Jam, this podcast is sponsored by Barefoot Wine. I'm coming for your wine title. How does that feel? That's pretty daunting. I tell you what, though. <laughs> I tell you what, though you better you better you better have plenty of barefoot in your system when you come for it. Okay. Because uh, I mean, this is this belt this belt is not going to be let go easily. I mean, I go hard. Yeah. I go hard. I know. So you better oh, ready to wrangle. Yeah, you are the the wine guy. So I figured this is the perfect opportunity for us to talk. But you're also you know the Falcons guy, chief national reporter for NFL media. You know the Rams in and out. So I was hoping you could sort of walk me through this upcoming matchup with the Rams and Falcons. So I saw a tweet you made that said the Falcons D was causing a fit for Jameis and the Saints in the first half. So the Falcons had 18 sacks all last season, and then in week one, they had four. How do you think the Rams' O-line can stop the Falcons' D, and like, what kind of collapse happened there? Well, I mean, look, they, they spent the Rams invested two high draft picks, a second and third rounder on edge rushers. Grady Jarrett is one of the best interior defensive tackles in the NFL, built a lot like Aaron Donald, about six feet tall, incredibly fast and powerful, and they were just aggressive. You know, the Saints... They had some issues on their offensive line. They had some injuries coming into the season. And the Falcons took advantage of Jameis not having much work with his receivers. So them not having much time playing together in the preseason, much like the Rams. Um, and they just really got after him. I mean, it was, it's a very aggressive Dean Pease front. So when it comes to the Rams, they better be ready because it is a much more athletic Defensive front. Again, Grady Jarrett, they've got a huge nose tackle named Anthony Rush who occupies bodies, a lot like A'shaun Robinson. Very similar um, in what they do up front. But then you'll see the Falcons bring in a rookie, number 47, usually plays on the left side, named Arnold Ebicady. He's an edge rusher out of Penn State. He's real. I believe he had a sack in that game. I I covered him in the preseason. He's one of these guys with heavy hands, right? The first time he sticks an offensive lineman, they're going to feel him. Very athletic, does not stop. So you kind of pair him with Rashad Evans and some of the other types of pressures that they bring. Um, Because they'll manufacture some pressures, but the one thing they did that was different than last season is they got there with four as well. So we'll we'll see if the Rams put themselves in situations where they turn those guys loose. Because what we saw the Rams not be able to do in week one was run the football. So they were in second yeah, and long absolutely. and third and long all the time, and that let those Bills pass rushers get loose. If they do that again, the Rams will be in Matthew Stafford's face from time to time. I mean, sorry, the Falcons will be in Matthew Stafford's face from time to time. Right. So, I mean, sort of along those similar lines, the Falcons had a very, let's call it, Falconcy um, end to the game where they blew a 16 Oh, yeah. Was that, was that the Saints really just stepping it into overdrive? Or are there still some easy ways to sort of foil this team that the Rams can exploit? Well, I mean, when you watch the game with the Falcons did, it's, it's kind of what they did even when Matt Ryan was there. See, early in the game, they were really moving Marcus Mariota around. They were hitting some things with Cordero Patterson in the run game, really mixing it up with the crossing patterns in the passing game. They don't have the burner who can get all the way down the field. And then they got conservative. 
you know, in the fourth quarter, they were up 16, and they just got conservative. Marcus Mariota was a little sloppy with the ball. He put it on the ground twice, uh, once in the red zone. Um, he recovered one of his own fumbles and on a third and one, but it put him in a punting situation. And then right. defensively, they backed off. I mean, they were super aggressive for three quarters, and then they just went to a prevent defense. And then Jameis and Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry and Chris Olave got hot. And that's, that right. was something, see, that, that watching that, the rest of the league better take notice of. Because if those guys get going, that's going to be a major, major problem. Sure. And, and so there are plenty of things that the Rams can take advantage of, but most importantly, I mean, they look like their offense, the creativity wasn't what we, what we usually saw out of it last year. They seemed very static, not a lot of pre-snap motion. As I mentioned, they couldn't run the ball on early downs. They've got to be able to put the Falcons on their heels and make the Falcons play catch-up. I don't think the Falcons are the type of team that are they're really going to be great playing from behind. So that's, that's a key thing that they need to do early on as they try to get back on track in L.A. Definitely. And I think also with the Rams O-line, right, to be able to protect and also allow these holes to open up for the running game to get that involved. Um, The Rams are obviously having some pieces that need to be moved around with injuries. Brian Allen um, that we talked about earlier. And we have guys like Tremaine Ancrum Jr., who's who's presumably, you know, starting at right guard this weekend. And he had a presser on Monday that was very impressive. I don't know if you saw the whole thing, Steve, but sort of his opportunity to be up there and and speak about his experience so far was really, really moving. And I implore anyone that's interested in O-line talk to to go um, seek out that presser because it was really cool. But he talked about like basically a lot of the questions were, how can you go from being a tackle to a right guard? And what does that mean? And I thought that this clip that I'm going to play for you, I thought was pretty interesting to listen to, to what he had to say. I would say the, the nuances, they kind of sped up. A lot of them sped up as far as your steps, as far as your, your hand placements. A lot of things did transfer over from tackle to guard. Um, but just the way you hit certain blocks, your intentions, a lot of the emphasis that you, you do with the combinations start at the guard position. A lot of a lot of combos start with the guard and really just repping that and hammering in these instincts, not breaking so much the habits that I learned to tackle, but just rewiring my mind to use the techniques faster or in different ways um, when I got inside. So I love that. I just feel he was basically saying, like, we're still doing the same sort of thing. It's just I'm going to you know, be positioning my body a different way. Hand placement's a little different. But I thought that that was really insightful from, from him. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it really is. You know, and you, know, you talk about combination. A lot of times we're thinking twist and stunts and things like that. But a lot of it is passing guys off differently, right? If an edge rusher's coming this way and he's got to pass it off to a running back or he's got to pass him off inside to the guard, well – it's going to be a little different uh, when it comes to the inside. And you better believe Dean Pease is going to test him, especially with a new center in there as well. right? They're going to be right. sending guys. They love, they love coming up the inside. They've got two downhill linebackers, uh, and one of them, Michael Evans, is super fast. So they are, they're going to test him early on to see you know, if Stafford can get something behind him, loop in behind him, or if he's got time to do something. So he, he better be ready. They're going to really test his mobility, his ability to, to understand. You can talk about combinations and doing things here and there, but executing them is a different thing in real time. And so I I guarantee you early in the game, the Falcons are going to test the interior of the Rams offense 
um, just to see how they hold up. And that's where the Rams have got to be a lot better with some of that outside zone scheme running to try to get the Falcons to pursue so they can't come downhill. And, and that's, again, the Bills were just so stout with that in week one. I think the Rams will get better, but those injuries up front, you know, early on, it could be a little tough sledding while they feel things out. You know, the Rams played Josh Allen, who is essentially, you know, the leaning rusher for the Bills um, in most games. And Marcus Mariota, with the Raiders, they put him in for a goal line rush um, when he was back up to Derek Carr. And rewatching this game, the, you know, the, the Falcon Saints, Mariota ran a couple times. He had that fumble, um, which was, t- but it seemed like the Saints, and I hope that this translates to the Rams, like you said, keeping him contained and keeping him in this pocket almost forces him to make quicker decisions, which leads to more mistakes, which leads to, you know, hopefully Rams defensive takeaways. Well, I, I don't know if it necessarily makes more mistakes, you know, because when Marcus is making quick decisions, he's getting the ball out and getting it to the hands of his guys. You want to make him hold on to it a little bit. That, and that's where having right. a Jalen Ramsey on Kyle Pitts, where you can make Marcus pat that ball a little bit. Because um, other than that, they don't really have a receiver. Maybe London from time to time that you may want to double. But other than that, I think you can send some pressures. Um, you know, you can send a safety down to try to keep Marcus from getting to the perimeter again. Because if he hits that corner, he can stick it and go. And he's a big right. guy. He can he can really run. So I think if you make him pat the ball a little bit, that's when you have an opportunity to force him into a mistake. But if he gets it out quickly. Um, you know, that's where the Rams are going to have to be much better in their open field tackling than they were against the Bills as well. You could see the Rams not playing their starters in the preseason. You saw a lot of evidence of that early on in the game, and part of it was some of their open field tackling. Yeah, definitely. So on the flip side of the ball, what can the Rams do um, to get their offense going in, in your mind oh man they, they, they've I mean, got to get Alan Robinson involved <laughs> no well I mean look, they, they, yeah. well, they got to run the ball and look as much as we talk about this being a passing offense it, it the run sets up everything that is right. the book on Sean McVay if there's a book on Sean McVay when you talk to defensive coordinators is if you can stop them from running on first down which they love to do if you can keep them in second and seven plus second and six plus okay then you can put in some coverages to make sure they're not going to hit anything deep Right. right, but if all of a sudden it's second and three, Sean's going to start, and Sean's all in your head, and it's a wrap. Right. So I, I think they've got involved Al Robinson. The fact that he was static, the fact he only had one target to the end of the game, you got to move him around some. We heard all offseason he can play the X, he can play the Y, he can play the Z, he can play all three positions and do X, Y. We didn't see, we didn't it, see it. Yeah. We didn't see it. You've got to get him involved, get him involved early. To make the Falcons all of a sudden say, okay, we got to, we got to, you know, get on this guy, and all of a sudden Cooper Cup. Bang. You know, last week we saw A.J. Terrell, a really good corner, second-team all-pro corner for the Falcons, really kind of follow Mike Thomas around for the Saints. I don't think they can do that to the Rams with Cooper Cup if they get Allen Robinson engaged. They're going to see a lot more zone, a lot more situations where they are just not going to allow, try to allow the explosive play. And the Rams see that all the time. They know how to handle that and all of a sudden exploit an explosive play. Right. But they, they have got to get Allen Robinson involved, and they have got to run the ball better. We see if Cam Akers gets a little bit more involved this week in that regard. Yeah. Daryl Henderson looked great, too. So I, I think that he did. That, that will be um, 
that will be important to, to this run game as well. Okay, so Steve, I want to play a game, and it's called How Many, and it's a work-in-progress title, obviously, because it's very self-explanatory. So I'm just going to give you a couple of, you know, props, so we could say, about this game, this upcoming game, and I want you to tell me how many you think, okay? So how okay. many... Aaron Donald sacks, and he also needs one more to reach 100 in his career. So how many Aaron Donald sacks this upcoming weekend? I'm going to let you do the math. He'll finish the game with 101 for his career. So two for Aaron Donald. Okay. Okay. I like that. Two's good. Okay. How many Allen Robinson touchdowns? Touchdowns? talking about. Yeah, touchdowns. So let's say one. Let's say one. Yeah, I think Stafford targeted him once in the end zone um, at the end of the Bills game last weekend. So hopefully there's there's more for that. Okay, how many defensive takeaways? And I'm talking both both teams, fumbles, picks, blocks, like you name it. Defensive. So if we're, if we're talking about combined. Yes. Combined, there'll be three takeaways. Okay, three. Okay, so who gets who gets the second one, or who gets two? Who gets two? Yeah, See, are you saying asked, three now, on now one you're side. trying to ask me that? No, I know. I'm going to go two and one, and I'll have the Rams getting two and the Falcons getting one. Okay, okay. I like that. Um, all right, so we're going to do something called the Ram Jam, and to close each show, I'm going to ask my guests the same three questions, rapid-fire style. Some a little football, some not. Steve Weish, which Rams moment is your favorite of all time? Favorite all-time Rams moment when I was a little kid watching James Shaq Harris take the field for the Rams. You know, as a little kid, I didn't see many black quarterback suit-ups when I saw number 12 stepping out there for the Rams um, and starting the Pro Bowl one year, uh, I believe. It was just like, you know, I, look, I grew up loving Roman Gabriel. I'm old, right? You know, loving Roman <laughs> no, Gabriel. No, no, no. James Harris and Vince Ferragamo and, and Dieter Brock and all those guys. But anytime I saw James Harris on the field, it was my favorite Rams moment. Oh, I love that. Ooh, shakalaka. <laughs> if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, my God. Like, I could eat Indian food every day. Mm. Like, I love Indian food. So I probably would have to take any type of tikka masala, whether it's tofu, chicken, mm. shrimp, whatever. Indian food every day, five times a day. That's my move. Okay, okay. Now, this one's um, pretty difficult, if I do say so myself. What would you do if fear was not a factor and you could not fail? I would spend a season with the fellas on Swamp People doing gator hunting (laughs) down in the bayous of Louisiana. I love the show. Not big on gators, not big on boats, not big on snakes and mosquitoes. But the fact that those dudes it. go out there and hustle like that in like storms and stuff. I, I mean, it. I am so fascinated by that, man. The fact that this is a way of life for the, for those folks in that in that Cajun culture. I love it. I would love to do that. Wait, so maybe not a season, maybe just one episode. Did I just get a window into what it's like being Steve Weish? Chief national reporter covering all the teams, busy as heck, being a wine genius that you are, family man, you know, everything. But you come home and you're going to turn on swamp people. Is is that your guilty pleasure? 
Oh hell yes, man! I love I love watching all those dudes. You know, and and they have to put subtitles on some of them because their Cajun, you, can't understand you know, their Cajun them, yeah. dialect is is so thick. But I mean, these dudes are like yanking in gators with their bare hands with this tight rope. It's just like ripping the skin off their hands, like it's nothing. These dudes are so strong, and they'll weigh like 150 pounds. They're yanking in these 13 foot gators, and then they're popping one right between the eyes just to make sure and. Going home and having like a communal barbecue with gator bits and everything. I'm like, that's a that's very amazing. simple lifestyle. It takes a lot of courage and commitment. And I'm all yeah, about it. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So I'll, I'll be looking for you one Sunday for coverage and I'll be like, where's Steve? And I'll get a press release from NFL media saying he took the weekend off to join Swamp People. I'm excited to see that happen. Down at home, down home of Louisiana. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Steve, thank you so much for hanging out today. Your insight is so valuable as always. I'm really looking forward to this game and I appreciate your knowledge on the Falcons specifically because obviously I'm more locked in with the Rams. So it was so great to see you. We need to get a bottle of wine together soon and just catch up and maybe do a Swamp People marathon. <laughs> oh, a bottle of wine. We're going to need a lot more than that, Ricky. <laughs> Steve, thank you so point. much. You got it. There he goes, Steve Weiss. So much insight, and I feel way more prepared for this game, so that's great. Before we go, you know wine and football aren't that different. Sure, they're complex, but enjoying them should be easy. You don't need to worry about complex formations, and flavor profiles, or which wine pairs with what. All that matters is together. Barefoot wine and the Rams are easy to enjoy. So let's enjoy ourselves. Barefoot, the official wine sponsor of the NFL. All right, you guys, that does it for this week's Ricky's Ram Jam. What a show. Hope you enjoyed it. Go ahead and leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or listen wherever you get your pods. This is going to be on YouTube as well. And drop a line in the comments about if you agreed with some of our matchups to watch and if you enjoyed the show overall. I love it. The Rammers, the Jammers, will figure that out together. Thank you for hanging out for an episode number two. And I can't wait to see you again next week. Let's ram it. (laughs) Getting better. All right.